Thanks for joining us today on the NateHoldridge.com podcast. Today, Pastor Matt Kaler is in the studio with us, and today he's talking to Pastor Nate about an article called How the Apostle John Was a Good Dad to the Church. And so this conversation obviously springs from that article, but it really turns out to be two fathers just cutting it up, talking about what it is to be dads to young children and how they live out their Christian life. So let's get into it. So Nate, you've been a dad for some 13 years now. Yep, is that 13 right? 13 years. Okay. I, uh, I've been a dad for almost four years. Mm-hmm. And so I have um, been able to glean from your years of experience, your example. We're in life group together, so I feel like I'm, I'm cheating a little bit because mm-hmm. I get to see you firsthand with your kids and with your wife, and it's, it's so fun to be able to do that together. Yeah, it doesn't really feel fair to me because yeah. I'm the guy with the oldest kid in our life group. So I'm like, <laughs> I keep waiting for someone else to join the group who, you know, has kids a little older than mine that I can yeah. glean some wisdom from. Right. Yeah. All the parents, we ask a parenting question that's a little bit above us and we just kind of all look over at Nate and Christina. Guys, do you have any wisdom? And uh, sure enough, the Lord just speaks through you guys um, consistently. So uh, blessed to be able to talk today about one of your blog posts, The Apostle John Was a Good Dad to the Church. And I just thought that this was such a, a rad way to even look at Scripture. I mean, um, how many how many guys read through a book of 1 John or, you know, the Gospel of John, these, these mm. areas of Scripture, and think, what are some things I can glean as a father? Mm. I just think that that's a really cool perspective. So... How did, I just want curious how that works for you as you're kind of reading scripture. Is that just something as a dad you're constantly looking like, okay, Lord, how do I do this to your glory? Or, or is that just an idea? It's creative. I, I love it. But how did that come about? Well, I mean, I think the Holy Spirit definitely. I, I think, you know, over the years I've had so many good teachers who have helped helped me see that some of these topics that we, you know, want to learn about in the Bible um, that are very pertinent to our everyday lives, that even though the Bible doesn't necessarily have like huge chunks all about that topic, you know, like a book just dedicated for dads, like this is how you do it, you know, kind of thing. But that even though that isn't the case, that these topics kind of are covered theologically through just a lot of, you know, other comments that you might Mm. see. So, you know, there isn't, doesn't have to be like a book that's all about sex, for instance, but, Mm. you know, as I'm reading about the Garden of Eden and thinking about Genesis and, Mm. you know, God's original design and things like that, there's obviously going to be things that I glean and see and observe. But I think this one just kind of came mostly from starting with the concept that, you know, God is the first father, hmm. and then he creates Adam and Eve. They begin to have a family, and so Adam is the first human father. And then, you know, that's broken. So there's still dads and there's still moms. But then as you see God, like, building his kingdom, and then especially when it gets to the church 
era, the church age. It's like you see these guys, especially in the apostles, you know, the disciples, and the way they were living, it's like they were dads. They were yeah, parents, you know, to the true. to the church. And then, you know, when John's writing, he's just over and over again, like, little children this and little children that, you know. You yeah, just kind of, right. after a while, you're like, oh, I feel like you're fathering. That's what you're <laughs> exactly. doing. Yep. Totally, totally. Maybe it had something to do with us calling them the church fathers, you know. Yeah, the, it could the, be a little The bit. old dudes. Right, right, totally. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I love how you kind of started things out just looking at the, the verse in First John uh, 2, 1 that says, I'm writing these things to you, my little children, so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And then as a as kind of a f- earthly father, you basically are saying, you know, we have an opportunity as dads to teach our children the dangers of sin and the consequences of sin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that teaching, that guiding, you know, people have used the word shepherding or shaping kind of part of our, our fathering, our parenting. Um, that's a pretty big undertaking, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm feeling the gravity of it mm-hmm. with having just an almost four-year-old. And uh, he's in that zone of he's he's testing things out, and yeah. he's just wondering, you know, okay, how far can I go before I cross the line? And mm-hmm. so we're exploring that. But I, I'm just curious, you know, for you, um, I guess how how have you kind of walked through that with your girls? Just the whole idea of hey, this is a crazy world. Mm. And I'm going to teach you just about how you can stay away from the sin Mm -hmm. and the evil and all that kind of thing yeah it's always an age-appropriate kind of adventure that you're you're on because you know on the one hand there's the protecting your children from various forms of sin and then even protecting them from being informed at too early of an age about certain sins Uh, but then on the other hand you realize you're swimming in this mm-hmm. culture and in this current, you know, and you're going to be exposed to things whether I want you to be exposed to them or not. So uh, I think maybe one way of that I've tried to do it is with an age-appropriate preemptiveness, mm. you know. So um, I think I talked in the, in the book about um, driving by – driving on the road in Monterey where there's a, a local porn shop mm-hmm. and my daughter being my oldest daughter at that time being like maybe four or five years old, you know, and mm-hmm. obviously there's a lot of big concepts there that she's not going to be thinking about and that she wouldn't even be, you know, privy to at all. But yeah. I think part of, you know, at that age, what I tried to communicate to her was one that there's a place that, that, daddy and people like daddy who love the lord uh is praying would shut down Hmm. and because it's hurting people and you know trying to in an age-appropriate way explain why it's hurting people Mm -hmm. so just even something like that is helpful because it helps her realize that um i'm i don't think that sin is bad because it's forbidden i think that sin is forbidden because it's bad you know that god has said no to these things because it's like a cancer that's hurting people Mm. so just helping them you know kind of hear things like that and see things like that and then 
I can't remember how I said it at that age. It was a long time ago, but you know, even trying to touch on just sexuality a little bit mm. and, you know, I probably at an age like that, it's like, you know, they're looking at other people naked and, you know, in, in a wrong kind of way. And that's, that's mm-hmm. not good, you mm-hmm. know? So, you know, a, an age appropriate preemptiveness, you know, cause that kind of stuff is obviously going to come in their lives. So you have to kind of in a preemptive way, talk to them about it that's beforehand. Good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Cause it, it seems that especially in our world, it's, it's going to get talked about the longer that they are in culture or around others. And so it sounds like what you're saying as a, as a parent for you to be the one to be able to have that opportunity to give a perspective that is biblical, that is truthful, that is honest. Totally. And that opens up that conversation. Totally. Yeah. I mean, Christina and I were just talking about this last night, how, uh, we'd been hearing and reading different things over the years, but we were talking about how just kind of marveling at the reality or the studies that show that the human brain is not fully developed until I think it's our early Mm twenties that the brain is actually fully developed. So we were just kind of talking about all of the things that, you know, children whose brains are still undeveloped are being exposed to in our society and when they're exposed to those things when their brain is not yet fully able to process or handle that information it can be so damaging Hmm. so on one hand you know as a dad it's like I want to protect my kids from even being exposed to some of that stuff as much as is possible you know I'm not going to just wave the white flag and say well you know they're gonna see it all and they're gonna hear it all so I'll just let it rip, you know, and let it get started. Um, but on the other hand, there are, I think, are times where it's like it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity mm-hmm. to be the voice that gives definition and explanation um, before everybody else gets a chance, you know, to, yeah. to do that work. Yeah. You know, like recently, um, you know, I have all daughters, you know, so the Beauty and the Beast movie release was like a really big deal you know in our house and it became a little bit of a big deal uh, in pop culture or in society because the claim was that this was the first time that disney was going to have a film that had any kind of homosexual reference inside of it Mm -hmm. and you know of course when you hear that kind of thing ahead of time it's like oh man that's this isn't as a believer what I want to have happen. And, you know, before anybody has a chance to see the film, you're kind of wondering how overt is it going to be? You know, how in your face is it going to be? It's got a PG rating, you know, what's going to happen, you know, kind of thing. Exactly. Um, And, you know, certainly like one response and I think a decent response. I think every parent has to pray about it. And I would respect someone who made the decision, you know, for, for my kids, I just, I don't even want them to, to see that. But my kids, you know, they're a little bit older and they're kind of at a place where I looked at it and I thought this could be like a, a golden opportunity Hmm. because 
from what I read about, I thought, I don't think it's going to be this hyper overt kind of thing. In fact, I could probably get away with just not even saying anything about this. And probably my kids wouldn't even pick up on it. But this is the world that they're living in. And they're going to be making decisions about how they think about subjects like that as the years go by. And so I can teach them in advance to them even going to you mm-hmm. know see something like that and you know a lot of times you don't have an opportunity to give that kind of teaching sure. in advance it's more responsive and so that was the approach mm. you know that we took at that time was just feeling like no this is a this is a chance you know our kids are old enough to be able to talk to them about this and kind of teach them walk them through yeah. it uh, beforehand i and, love that it's it's not just the the only options are not just avoid or just go for it and just hope it doesn't stick or or shape or whatever but but there's this kind of other option you're saying of like hey we can walk through this but also use it as a discipleship moment or a teaching moment totally and having certain cultural things um be just that yeah i mean our kids are going to grow up and have to do what we do as mature believers they're going to have to figure out what they can receive what they have to reject and what they get to redeem. Absolutely. You know, so it's like, I think probably that was a day where, you know, they really enjoyed themselves and they, yeah. they, they took in a great, you know, movie and were able to redeem, you know, something there that was less than ideal and then, you know, turn it into a teachable, you know, kind of moment. Absolutely. That's good. But, That's really you know, I was listening to uh, this a podcast the other day from the Gospel Coalition where they were interviewing an author who wrote about being a tech-wise family. And I just was really feeling what they were saying, at least at first. I didn't listen to the whole thing, but they were just talking about how hard it is, you know, when you as a father are trying to provide that kind of atmosphere where you're, you know, working a little bit of that protective stuff in your home and family. And then even in the church when the kids that your children are interacting with, even in the body of Christ, they don't have any of those restrictions. And they're exposed to stuff. And it's just, it's wild to me, man. I mean, if it's true that 30% of internet activity is porn-based, if that's true, then I just, for the life of me, I cannot understand why a father would allow their children unmonitored, unfettered access to the internet and to, you know, communicating with other kids who, like I said, you know, they're still in that process of brain development. You know, Christina was talking to a, a, a mom recently who's not a believer, but she's a a psychiatrist uh, locally. Yeah. And she was just like, on her soapbox saying, give your kids flip phones, please yeah. do, do not <laughs> totally. like, it's so harmful to do them, the, the stuff that they thing. can get exposed to. Yep. And you know, this, it was interesting because it's, you know, we're used to hearing, oh, you yeah. know, maybe a statement like that from Christian, believers, uh-huh. but just to hear someone who just has watched, you oh, know, man. what has happened to children and kids through that overexposure. So man, you know, there is part of this where, yeah, as a father, we want to, speak words of protection from sin into our kids' lives. Yeah. Do you do you ever find yourself having to hold back a reaction when your kids come to you with something, a question about maybe something that's 
is a little bit in that more mature range or, you know, whether it's talking about sex, um, whether it's talking about even the world's view on sexuality, it, is there even a way that you approach that that could further encourage those kind of conversations or cause your kids to think like, oh man, maybe I shouldn't talk to dad or mom about this. <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think uh, just practically speaking, for us, it's kind of just come down to knowing the style of each one of our kids. Mm. So, you know, we have three daughters and, you know, raising a son in this kind of climate and world is a totally different, you know, proposition. But, you know, one of our girls, she will be open and receptive and interested in talking about it in, if we're more uh, in private and we're not in front of her siblings. Um, sometimes even in written form, you know, mm -hmm. writing something to her, whether it's an email or, you know, writing it down in a journal or something mm -hmm. like that and having a conversation that way where, you know, she just doesn't feel that embarrassment, but she is, does want to talk about it. Um, and then, you know, understanding. So I think understanding each one of your kids and like how, how would be best to, you know, talk to them. But mm -hmm. um, so that's been one thing. And then I think, for us, uh, it'll probably be as the years go by that it gets even more like Frank. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because I think our our youngest daughter, she'll probably ask some of the most straightforward questions <laughs> yeah. and just not really be embarrassed <laughs> about, you know, talking about it. Sure. Um, but no, I, I try not to I try not to really hold back very much. You know, I just try to say, Okay, this is this is true here. How can I how can I say this in a way that is um, age appropriate? But I try, I try to give it to them straight, you know, like when I'm, when I'm taking them through, like for, for me, when I'm, uh, I'll teach them through the Bible and, you know, usually two or three times a week, we'll have a chance to, you know, do a little devotion or something. So right now I'm alternating between uh, this action Bible that mm. kind of has like, you know, pretty, pretty full uh, segment of the stories of, of the Old and New Testament. Yeah. Um, and then um, I'll do that one day. And then on other days, I kind of am going back and forth right now. I'm taking them through First Thessalonians. So we're like going through it verse by verse. They get their Bibles out, oh, you know, sweet. I'm taking them through it. So the other day we got to First Thessalonians 4. This is the will of God for you, your sanctification, that you would abstain, abstain. from sexual immorality. Oh, yeah. And we're like reading this whole section out loud, you know. And my youngest, she's um, she's nine years old right now, you know. And it's just like, man, okay, cool. Here we go. Mm -hmm. You know, we're gonna we're, we're gonna, gonna talk gonna about this, this today. Yeah. You know, we're gonna talk about this today. And you know, so they know about adultery and you know what fornication is. You yeah. know, and uh, you know, obviously in in their minds, you know, pre puberty, it's not not all that clear what this is all about yet or what those yeah. desires would even be or what where they'd come from but yeah. you know I'm wanting them to hear that there is an appropriate way to behave sexually relationally mm. um, you know from me from their dad yeah. you know and yeah. and then golly as a as a father and in, in you know this kind of world where you know they're going to hear people saying things like half the marriages end in divorce you know things like that right, right. which you know can sometimes be misleading i think like we've talked about before here you know, i don't think it's 50 percent of well it's not 50 percent of first 
time marriages. You sure. know, those the fifty percent number comes from people who get married second and third and yeah. fourth times. You yeah. know, and boosts those stats. But still, you know, yeah. it's sad it how is. many marriages do end in divorce. You know, so to remind them and to talk to them about like mommy and daddy, we made a promise, mm. a covenant to each other. This is totally. what we're gonna do. This is not what we're 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 not gonna get divorced. You know, reminding yeah. them, talking to them about that kind of stuff. Do they just need to hear it? Man, such a safety and security in that. Hearing that from you guys, that's mm. really good. You know, the other one of the other things I really liked about this blog entry, bro, was you just talking to them um, from First John two twenty eight, where where John says, "And now, little children, abide in Him." Mm. You just kind of have this word that um, that you just describe at different levels and stages of your child's life, like John, speak to your children about abiding in Christ and demonstrate it for them. And I just, I really like that idea that you're kind of saying your kids need to see you abiding in Christ and really see what that looks like. And I know that you, you know, you live out your faith openly in front of your kids. And I'm, I'm just curious for you, um, well, maybe, you know, as a, as a younger dad, and I'm, I'm kind of getting into those waters, what does it look like to, to lead my son and to show him my relationship with Christ, and what does it look like to abide mm-hmm. in Christ? Um, how have you just kind of pursued that, and what are some things that you've wanted to show your kids about your kind of Christian walk and your relationship with Jesus? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, again, a lot of it has come down to the age-appropriate kind of expectations. You know, I think I've, we've probably both seen people who have told their kids, like, okay, now it's time you're going to read through the Bible, and you are going to have a quiet time that is just rock solid, you know, and you're, yeah. and you're also six. You know? <laughs> I can't read yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Christina and I, we've tried to really have the attitude like we're not in a race to baptism for our children. Mm. You know, like, man, once they get baptized, like they are in. You know, and they're going to make that decision and we're going to get them dunked. Yeah, yeah. And they're going to be Christians, you know. We've kind of just, you know, I I think all three of my daughters have a genuine relationship with Christ, a saving relationship with Christ. But I also realized that, you know, as they get older, they're going to have to learn how to personally abide in Him and that when they're in their elementary school age, you know, of life, they're going to express that in one way and then hopefully it'll develop and then it'll be the junior high years and then the high school years. And so what we want to help them cultivate is something that is a growing relationship with the Lord. So, you know, obviously, I mean, in using the abide word, a lot of that speaks of like a relational connection to Christ. So a lot of that is like a daily encounter and experience with him. So, you know, I try to model that for them of Mm -hmm. just, you know, being in the word daily and being in prayer daily. So, you know, there will be times where they wake up early enough to maybe see dad praying or Mm -hmm. reading the Bible. And that helps them, I think. Those images are 
teachable images mm-hmm. for them. You mm-hmm. know, that's okay. That's look at that. That's a Christian man. Hopefully, I'm giving them a good definition of what that looks yeah. like. You know, that's in a their priority lives. for my. And dad. I know that was important for me. You know, when yeah. I started walking with the Lord, I was able to hearken back to, you know, times where I just see my dad. You know, sitting there with his coffee and his Bible, and it meant a lot to me to think through. Like, okay, here's a guy who is has surrendered his life to the Lord and he's trying mm-hmm. to hear from God and prayerfully consider what the Lord's speaking into his life and going to God with the concerns of his life. And then, you know, a lot of times, I mean, ch- I don't know how to dis- how to define childhood, but it seems like one great way to define childhood is a constant struggle against the flesh, you know, because you're just like, <laughs> your Amen, flesh brother. is so raw as a child, yes. you know, it's like, yeah. we can relate to children you know, because when they have an outburst or, you know, a panic or a worry or a fear or something like that, we can relate to that. But hopefully as we grow and mature and we develop, you know, when I get afraid about something, I don't just like spontaneously combust into tears, you know, or when I'm angry about something, uh, I don't just, you know, pick up a hammer and just throw it at your face, you know, but like when you're young, you know, you're, you're developing through a lot of that. So, you know, that provides like a lot of moments. It's, it's not, it's not like Christina and I will say to our girls, like, you know what you need to do right now? Like you're just acting pretty sassy. You just, you need to go pray, you know, like we don't talk like that to them. Yeah. But you know, we do try to encourage them through some of that, those emotional, you know, times and outbursts to say like, Hey, you know, baby, like this for you is going to be an area in your life that you're going to need to learn how to bring to God and to get the Holy Spirit's help for Mm. to be able to overcome, you know, or, you know, see how maybe like this area, it's hard for you to kind of get, momentum in that area yeah well that's that's like a tendency you know and you have great strengths but that might be a weakness of yours and this is going to be an area where you are going to have to cry out to god for help and then like in that process being willing to then say and for example here's a weakness that i've had and Mm -hmm. that i continue to have and i have to go to god all the time to ask for his strength to help me in this area and here's some ways that he's grown me over the years it's just like trying to be that object lesson for the abide principle you know christ is the vine we are the branches we need his life source to be pumping into us to bear fruit and this is how i've had to abide and continue Mm -hmm. with the lord you know that way you just described, it sounds like it would be a lot easier just to say, hey, go pray. You need to pray right now. (laughs) Be a lot less time. But um, I I don't know. Bree and I, my wife, we talk about, I think before we had Canon, my son, um, our son, he's both of our, you know, sons, so (laughs) that's how it works. But I think um, the idea of how much intentional time it would require, you know, and, and just how you describe that kind of conversation. Like, you're you're probably not just sitting around at home just waiting for them to have an emotional <laughs> outburst and then, wow, finally I get to speak into that and I get to walk my daughter through that and, and then share with her about how I've gotten to, you know, struggle and God's work through my life. Um, 
It means stopping whatever you're doing. Yeah. It means, you know, putting down the book, the phone, the computer, whatever it may be, and going, okay, here's here's a parenting moment. Yeah. I think I I didn't realize how how much parenting would just be so um inconvenient. Inc well, thank you. That's it. <laughs> yeah, parenting is just it's never yeah, it never happens on the schedule, you know. It's often so very inconvenient. I'm cracking up when you're saying that because we just yeah, we had that experience just last night. We were, Christina and I, we were out on a little date and but there was some stuff with school that one of our girls had to had to finish up and we we knew it would probably be a little bit of a tense kind of thing to you know um give her the news that hey your teacher reached out you have more that you need to do tonight Mm -hmm. we knew that could be tense and we knew okay we probably need to go home a little bit early um and then you know once we got home it it was kind of a of a thing that we Mm -hmm. needed to talk through for a little while we didn't handle it as great as we could have but you know it took some time Hmm. you know it took a little bit of time and and uh, i was sitting there thinking this isn't really what i wanted to do when (laughs) when uh played out for me exactly this this wasn't not necessarily the date night i i had envisioned but you know i think that there was a closeness that developed Mm -hmm. we're helping our little girl walk through life and becoming the woman that god you know is designed for her to be absolutely but yeah it takes <laughs> takes a lot of work <laughs> and it it takes you know one thing i really appreciate about you and christina is you you guys have become students of your kids each mm. of your kids and how you've even described how they're different and for you to be able to know how differently they you know interact relationally or emotionally or even spiritually gives you that much more opportunity to have your words stick and have an effect. And I think that's a really, that's something I, I definitely want to, to make an effort in is really, I mean, we've only got one right now, but um, to get to know him and not mm-hmm. just think, I think from, you know, from reading, from gathering information, we can kind of get in copy paste mode. And totally. I'm sure that happens with, with more than one, but, um, but to approach each child you know, distinctly and yeah. There's a reason that you are Canon's dad. You know, there's a reason yeah. that I am the father of my kids. You know, there's and w- so when we read these authors, you know, including this book that we're talking about sure. right now, you know, it's like when we when we read them, there's things that can help us, but we also have to filter it through. Like, how does this interact here? And if if God wanted Nate Holdridge to be my kid's dad, he would have been, you yeah, know, like yeah. we are the men for the job, you yeah, know, and absolutely. But yeah, that's a really cool observation that you made because I think, I think it's something that moms kind of naturally do. Mm-hmm. But the more that dads can get, I think, in that mode, it's just really helpful. It's just yeah. really helpful. Christina and I, we were having this thing recently with one of our girls where. <clears throat> I think I started realizing that if I provided a little bit of levity in this situation, it would help her and that she'd just kind of be able to like not take it so seriously and that she'd laugh. And, and so I was kind of doing that. And then later I asked 
Christina, I was like, is that, was that okay? Like, am I allowed to joke around about that kind of stuff with, with daughter so-and-so? And she's like, no, I was going to tell you that's, that's good. You know, oh, I think that good. that's what she needed. You know, that that's good. Like keep doing that when it's that subject, you know? So, oh, that's good. you know, just, it it can lend so much, you know, when you just oh, kind sure. of are trying to, you know, you're trying to feel out where your kids are at. And so yeah. I think we're just encouraging fathers to, you know, like John or Paul or these other church leaders would have done, the apostles did with these various churches. They were students of the issues of these mm. churches or the personalities of these churches or the tendencies of these churches. You know, yeah. Paul would speak to the Philippians differently from the Corinthians and that's good or the Ephesians you know because he saw different types of people that were there and different issues so yeah, yeah we have to it, it, it I think they got that from the Lord oh, you know sure. he looks at us he knows our name yeah. he he sees us as individual sheep and, and he knows you know what we need to hear what, mm. and what, what needs to be ministered into our hearts so yeah man if we can do that more and more that's putting on Christ I think Good. Yeah, that's good. Well, I just think that, um, you know, this, uh, this post is, is just a, another, I think another example of, you know, Second Peter 1 that says he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And to think, you know, this, these principles and these truths that you pulled are directly from God's word, not in, you know, the book of Second Peter parentonians or whatever it may be right because mm-hmm. we don't have a the book on parenting but just full scripture full truth that we can apply so thanks for for talking about that today um great stuff if you haven't gotten the book dear new dad um get the book it's a great read um the subtitle is an intro to fatherhood but i mean you could read this at any stage of fatherhood you just it's it's good and you're gonna glean from it so thanks for chatting Thanks for joining us today in this conversation. For more articles and resources from Pastor Nate, please go to nateholdridge.com and search the archives. All of his articles are there. And while you're online, please share an episode of this podcast with a friend. We would love to see this podcast get into as many hands and ears as possible. And as always, tune in next week for a brand new episode from this show. But until then, God bless you guys. We'll see you soon.